rest of you will be over at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I probably maybe should be preaching on Samson and Delilah with the shaving of my face, but uh, the strength is still there, don't worry. Um, <clears throat> it's gone, but uh, it might come back. Becky's going, hallelujah, it's gone. <laughs> but anyway... I, I feel the, the coldness, though. It's uh, interesting. You know, <laughs> Dale's back there like, yeah, well, I got mine too. Anyway, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, a familiar portion of Scripture, uh, probably known from childhood if you've been to church all your, all your life and gone through the Sunday school classes and the VBS or whatever else. You've heard this story many times. And my prayer is that this story will... <clears throat> Yeah, you will discover some new things in this, in this familiar story of David and Goliath. But our text, again, comes from one of the most familiar and recognizable accounts in all of Scripture. Israel was facing a formidable foe and in the champion of the Philistines. And the armies had gathered on opposite sides of the Valley of Elah and approximately about 15 miles west of Bethlehem. And for 40 days, the Philistine champion, Goliath, had taunted the Israelites to send a man down to fight with them. The losing side would surrender to serve the victor. No one within the armies of Israel had the courage to fight with Goliath. That all changed when David was sent by his father to take some provisions on down to his brothers, who were among the, the battalion of Israelites. And the story resonates with humanity because it is a story of, of courage and a story of victory. It reveals that the enemy can be defeated through the provision and power of God. David was an unlikely candidate to face Goliath, and yet God brought a great victory. We're no match for our enemy, but we are never forced to face him alone. Jesus has secured victory for us, and we can overcome through him. And like David, we too can overcome impossible odds and enjoy victory through Christ our Lord. That victory comes because the battle is the Lord's. And we need to remember that as we go through these days and and come against uh, um, opposition. Realize that uh, the battle is the Lord's. He's fought it and he continues to fight it for us. I want us to consider the situation of this battle as we visit the, the intense moments recorded of this season in David's life. As we continue on this series of the life of David and figuring out what it means to have a heart after God. And then I want to share some lessons that we can learn from all of this in this, this familiar story. First, let's, let's look at the difficulty David faced. Now, I'm not going to read all 58 verses of this. You can look at it as we go along. I'll make reference to some of them. might read a few of the verses. But let's look at, first of all, the difficulty that David faced. Difficulties appear immediately here as we look at this chapter. In order to fully grasp the enormity of the situation, we we must consider the details of this conflict. We can see some apparent differences here already. This is the greatest mismatch of all time, just like the number 16 seed versus the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, No one expected David to have a chance against Goliath, but then a number 16 seed beat a number one seed. But there were great differences, great differences in this. Look at the size differences. In verse 4 and verse 42, we see the, the description of this. A champion named Goliath 
who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. And in verse 42, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. So Goliath stood nine feet tall, over nine feet tall, and David was just a young man glowing with handsome, health and handsomeness. And uh, he appeared as a child to Goliath. Big differences here going on in the size. <clears throat> Big differences also, too, in the experience. As we look in verse 33, Saul, Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So David had no experience in battle. And Goliath had been fighting battle since he was a young man. So there was no comparison in experience level of these two men. Then if you look at the weaponry, there's a big difference there too. Verses 5 through 7, as well as verse 40, said he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. And on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Then in verse 40, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. There's a little bit of contrast there between the weaponry of these two guys. Goliath's armor weighed about 125 pounds, and the tip of his spear weighed about 15 pounds. And this giant of a man was well armed for battle. Then you look at David. David went into battle carrying a shepherd's staff, carrying his bag, which held five smooth stones, and he had a sling. Not really an even fight with the weaponry from a human perspective. You know, this would not be much of a battle. It appeared David stood no chance of defeating such a well-prepared and formidable foe. But we will discover that David had a decided advantage because he had the Lord on his side. Then we look at the, the accusing doubt that happened. <laughs> accusing doubt that happened before David. In verse 28, we, see, uh, we read that when uh, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And then verse 33, we hear it from Saul. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. So Goliath... Goliath had, had come before the Israelites for 40 days in, in a row, challenge, challenging them to send someone to fight him. And they all remained in their places, cowering in fear. And it's interesting, those 40 days, there's a lot of different references to 40 days in the Bible that basically talks about challenge and a crisis that goes on. And along comes a shepherd boy with enough courage to fight the giant, and yet no one, no one believed in his ability. They all assumed David would, be, would die at the hands of the enemy. He'd be dead meat before Goliath. You know, the world around us and the enemy we face would have us believe as well that we are destined for defeat. They would assume we lack the ability to overcome and experience victory. And if we are depending upping our abilities, their assumptions would be right. 
but we can rest in the power and the provision of our Lord. The battle is His. Then there's the certainty David felt. He felt certainty in all of this. As we continue to examine this miraculous account, we discover this in his life and the faith he possessed. And take a look at his confidence in verses 36 and 37. It says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the, from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So drawing from past experiences, David expressed his confidence in the Lord. Saul did not believe David was capable of defeating Goliath, but David assured him that God would provide. And his confidence wasn't, was not in his own ability. Again, it was, it was in the Lord's ability to fight this battle. You know, fear often cripples our lives and hinders us from pursuing what the Lord has called us to do. But we can rest confidently in the power and provision of Christ. Whatever He's called you to do, He will provide in that calling. He overcame everything the enemy threw at Him, defeating sin, defeating death, and defeating hell. Jesus rose again in His triumph over the grave. Securing victory, securing eternal life for all of us, those who believe. We have nothing to fear. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Then look at, look at David's commitment here. Verses 45 through 47. David, it says here, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give, you, give the carcasses of the Philistine army to, to the birds and the wild animals, animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered, there, gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands." So no one should have expected less of David, but this reveals much about his character and commitment to the Lord. He had spoken boldly while surrounded by the armies of Israel, fairly safe within the battalion there. But now he stood before Goliath all alone. And still, you know, there was no one else with him. It would have been pretty tempting to ponder the gravity of the situation and go, I was mistaken. <laughs> Most of us would have questioned, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> it seemed pretty nice when I was surrounded by people who knew me and loved me and gave me support. Now I'm all on my own right here out in the middle of no support. And I have to stand strong. How's that going to happen? What have I gotten myself into? Few would have, have stood there preparing to engage Goliath in battle. But David never wavered. His courage remained, and even when standing in the presence of the enemy, you know, we, we need the commitment David possessed. It is easy to serve the Lord and stand boldly within the comforts of the sanctuary, within the comforts of other believers. It is easy to share our faith when we are surrounded by others of like faith. We find it, we find it easier to stand when we 
we, we are not alone. And yet there are times when we don't have the luxury of others with us. We have to be on our own in that way as far as others around us. But we too must be willing to remain committed to the Lord, even in the face of great opposition, because truly, really, you are not alone. The Lord is with you. The Lord goes before you. The Lord provides for what you need in whatever battle you are involved with. Then take a look at David's courage in verse 48. It says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. <laughs> I don't know if that's what I would be doing, running quickly to the battle line. But David possessed courage that exceeded human limitations. When faced with the enemy, David didn't hesitate. In fact, he ran toward Goliath, ready to engage him in battle. His fear had been replaced with faith, providing unwavering courage in the face of death. I will admit that this is pretty easy preaching, but hard to practice in daily life. I can stand here in the pulpit and say, go get them. You got this. God is with you. But then when it comes, rubber meets the road. When we have to be out there in the battlefield, it gets pretty scary sometimes. But remember David's courage in this. Remember that as you go through your battles that you're facing, you are not alone. You know, but far too often we allow our worries and fears to dictate our existence. Rather than standing courageously with the Lord, we run from our battles. We seek a place to hide. We cower in fear. There's no reason for the believer to fear the enemy. He is a defeated foe. Satan is defeated. His defeat was forever settled as Christ atoned for our sin on the cross and rose in resurrection life. We serve a risen Savior that has gone through the battle. We shouldn't seek trouble, but there is no reason to fear when the enemy comes against us. We are not fighting to secure victory. Victory has already been won for us. It's those battles along the way that we need to trust God in as we go through those. And then notice here in verses 49 through 51, the victory that David enjoyed. These closing verses describe the great victory David enjoyed over Goliath. No one expected him to be victorious, but they they hadn't figured God into the equation. So look at uh, David's uh, dependence in verse 49. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Uh, this, whole, this reveals the, the dependence David placed upon the Lord. He stood against the giant with nothing but a sling and a stone, fully expecting God to provide for him. And God proved faithful as David's stone hit the mark, defeating Goliath with only one of the stones in his bag. Do you ever feel like you are facing a mighty giant of opposition? And all you have are a few stones in your bag. You think, I don't, I'm not equipped for this. I should have more things to fight this battle with. But remember, if you feel in that, like in that situation, again, you are not alone. David's great encounter may have been the first such victory to be recorded, but it certainly would not be the last time that God would provide for those who depend upon him 
and it continues on through these days as well. As believers depend upon God and rely upon His provision and His strength through those battles and those situations He provides. Our giants look nothing like the one described in, the, in, in this text that we're reading here, but they strike fear in our hearts nonetheless. And like David, we have nothing to fear. Our Lord is faithful to provide for every believer, and we can depend upon Him in our time of need. Then look at, his, at David's uh, deliverance here in verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine who killed him. Now this affirms that David had not secured victory through his actions, but God had provided victory for him. It was the Lord's battle. God delivered him from the hand of the enemy. In his moment of greatest need, God provided that deliverance. This was not surprising to David. It was exactly what he expected. Remember what he told Goliath just moments prior to all this. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. David was confident in this. You know, we are, we are no match for, for the enemy if we are relying upon our own strength on that. But the battles we face are not ours to fight. Victory has already been won, and we have been delivered in Christ our Savior. Jesus has won it. We must act in obedience to the Lord, but He never expects us to fight our battles alone. Go into battle confidently. Go into battle expecting deliverance. Go into battle expecting His presence with you. And go into battle knowing that the, the, the victory is sure. Then we see the assurance that is given here in verse 51. As David ran and stood over him, in verse 51, he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that, that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. <laughs> On opposite sides of the valley, two armies stood in disbelief, looking down there and going, what just happened? <laughs> the giant had been defeated by a shepherd boy, and the giant's head had been severed as proof. And there could be no doubt that Goliath had been defeated and God had brought a great victory for the nation of Israel. This stood as a lasting testimony of the faithfulness and power of the Lord. And for the believer, let's fast forward a few thousand years. The scene is so much different, and yet there are similarities. Jesus had been crucified on the cross, and those who opposed him thought they had rid the world of this blasphemous troublemaker. His lifeless body was buried in a borrowed tomb, and a stone was rolled in place to seal the grave. And three days later, as Mary came to anoint the body of Jesus, she made a profound discovery. The stone was rolled away, the Lord was no longer in the tomb, and He had risen just as He said. This too stands as an eternal testimony the power and faithfulness of our Lord. He already conquered every enemy we could face. The enemy was crushed as Jesus fulfilled redemption's plan and rose again to victory. So what have we to fear? Our Lord is alive and well, seated at the Father's right hand, interceding on our behalf, 
And the resources of heaven are at our disposal through Christ, our champion. So what lessons can we learn from this incredible story? Let me share uh, four, of them, four of them with you. Four lessons among many I'm sure we can gather from this. One lesson is that facing a giant is an intimidating experience. <laughs> you know, I guess you know, we, don't, uh, we don't have to learn that from uh, David and Goliath, I guess. But uh, you know, facing a giant is an intimidating experience. But aren't all giants intimidating? That is why we call them giants, because they are bigger than we are. But that's how it is with giants of fear, giants of worry. They don't come just once, they come morning, they come evening, day after day, relentlessly trying to intimidate us. They may come in the form of a person, or pressure, or, or worry. In fact, few things are more persistent and intimidating than our fears and our worries, especially when we face them in our own strength. And when the battle comes and our giants are at the door, it is usually intimidation that sends us in a full retreat. When they intimidate us, we get tongue-tied, our thoughts get confused, we forget to pray, we focus on the odds against us, we forget whom we represent, and we stand there with our knees knocking. But David's eyes were not on the giant. Intimidation played no part in his life. He may have appeared to others to be an ant before the elephant, but David was not listening to the others. The secret to David's life was remembering that the battle is the Lord's. We need to stop waiting on the devil, fearing his arrival, because the battle is the Lord's. Are you trying to do your own battle? Trying to fight it your way? Trying to outsmart the enemy or outfox him? You can't on your own strength, but God can. And David lived by a very simple principle, nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose. He didn't try to impress anybody in the army of Israel. He didn't try to impress his brothers. He didn't try to impress God. He just ran to meet Goliath. And this morning, your giant is waiting on you as well, intimidating you like crazy. We all have them. We can either let them intimidate us and steal our joy, steal our peace, steal our security, or we can face them in the power and strength of Jesus and put them in retreat. There's another lesson we can learn from this story. Doing battle can be a lonely experience. Doing battle can be a lonely experience. No one else can fight for us. Your Goliath is your Goliath. <laughs> Someone may say, ah, oh, don't worry about that. That's not that bad. But to you, it's a Goliath. It's a giant. And it's real. You can ask a friend, a parent, a counselor, and even your pastor to help and hold your hand through the battle and all that. They can give support, but the battle is yours and yours alone. Your giant. It can be lonely, but it's on, on the lonely battlefield that you learn then to trust God and cling to Him. Sometimes during a time of standing by faith, we receive flack. And often it comes from those we least expected like a brother, <laughs> Eliab, who came to David, probably out of a little resentment and anger about not being chosen, 
by Samuel as king. But the enemy would love to get our attention off of what is important and get us focused on the secondary stuff. Those people around us who are nagging at us when we have the Goliath before us. The average person would have used all his energy to punch his brother's lights out <laughs> rather than dealing with Goliath. And isn't that what Satan wants us to do as well? Get us distracted off of the real issue, the real problem? He tries to take our focus off of what is important and put it on the secondary things. But David ignores his brother and he turns away. And David knew who to fight and who to leave alone. We need to choose our battles wisely as well. If we don't watch it, all of our battles will be fought among those we call brothers and sisters. While the real enemy of our souls roams around our territory winning victory after victory. Remember where your battle lies. Parents, it's not with your children. Children, it's really not with your parents. It's not with other members of the body of Christ. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So don't waste your energy fighting those you need and, and, and who need you. Remember that doing battle, though, can be pretty lonely. A third lesson we can learn from this is trusting God is a stabilizing experience. Trusting God is a stabilizing experience. David brought down Goliath with the first stone, and his aim was true and didn't miss the mark, and he was stabilized by his trust in God. And if you try to tackle the giant in the flesh, you cannot get it done. You will lose in your own strength. But when you have spent sufficient time on your knees and praying, it is remarkable how stable you can be. Goliath had all the things that would normally impress and intimidate and instill fear, but David had been given the ability to see as God sees, and he was ne neither impressed uh, nor intimidated, because no matter how big the giant might be, God is greater. And no matter how powerful he might be, God is all-powerful. David's trust was in his God. If you tolerate a Goliath, he will take over your territory. He will move into your camp. He will take your thoughts and, that normally ought to be to our God, and, and he will put them on himself. And that is why you can't afford to tolerate giants. You need to kill them. Trust in God. Trust that he can knock down those giants. It just depends on how much trust you have. Do you trust God with your life? If you do, then let go of it. Let God take care of it. Give your problems, your giants to God, and see what He can do. Whatever God needs to do for you, trust Him to do it. Trust God, because it's a stabilizing experience. And there's one more lesson that we can learn from this. Winning victories is a memorable experience. <laughs> Don't forget them. Winning victories is a memorable experience. Don't forget them. So often when, when facing our own giants, we forget what we ought to remember and we remember what we ought to forget. <laughs> we remember our defeats and we forget the victories. Most of us can recite the failures of our lives. Pretty vivid detail. 
but we are hard-pressed to name the specific, remarkable victories God has pulled off in our past. It's interesting to note that after the defeat of Goliath, you know what David did? David drags Goliath's spear and sword into his tent. You're thinking, why would you want anything like that around your place? Pretty large objects. But probably to be a reminder of what God has done and maybe to lie alongside that lion's skull and the bear's paw. Winning victories is extremely significant. We need to remember those. So where do you keep your memories of past victories? Do you quickly pass over them? If so, break that habit because God does not waste victories, no matter how big or small in your life. When God pulls something off that only He can do, He says to us, now don't forget that. Remember what I did. In the Old Testament, God had His people pile up stones as reminders of His winning victories on their behalf. Those stones of remembrance, Ebenezer's, as we talked about in the Bible study on Wednesdays. They would remain for all to see and remember. Recall what God did at that moment, at that place. We need those Ebenezer's in our life to remind us of the goodness of God and the victories. This morning you may feel the weight of the world is on you, but I can assure you that in your past, God has given you some victories. Go back and recall those. Retrieve them from your memory bank. Allow them to give you courage to face your present giant. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs in closing our time together. And as, as they come, let me also too just say that we all face giants that bring fear and dismay to our lives. You may be facing a giant of doubt or uncertainty today. Maybe it's a giant of fear or guilt. Maybe it is the giant of sin. But whatever giant you face, God is saying to you right now, all I ask of you is five smooth stones and a sling of faith. That's all I ask. I will take it from here. You don't have to wear anyone else's armor. You just need to trust me. He has already defeated our enemies, and we can rest in his grace and provision because the battle is the Lord's. What battle are you facing today? What kind of enemy is coming uh, upon you and against you? You need to be reminded of the courage that David had of his confidence in the Lord that God would fight this battle, bring the victory. If you need to be reminded of that, I trust that you can just take some time as we sing these songs, just be reminded of God's goodness in your life, that he will be with you in those battles to give you victory in those situations. Trust in him. And if you need to come and pray and just be reassured of those things, the altar is open if you want to come. Maybe give Give those worries and concerns over to God about those giants in your life. But remember, it's not your battle alone. The battle is the Lord's. He will bring victory for you.